I think life's far scarier than death. <laughs> like again, not be, not being religious, death doesn't bother me too much because it's like, well, that's that, isn't it? It's kind of done. That's not. Yeah, I'll be, yeah. yeah it's done. Okay, I don't have to worry <laughs> about that. That's but but life is at times terrifying. Um, so yeah, I think there's that understanding that uh, that's I'm not some sp- special. A, a, a unique creature that happens to find life tough sometimes I think most people have that and particularly in school and, and years like that it's if you're kidding yourself that you're the are the only one struggling then you're probably not it gets better cause it has to get better we're all made of humans my name is Sophie Hagen, and you're listening to the Made of Human podcast. In short, Mopod. It's a podcast in which I speak to nice people about life, trying to find out how to do it, you know, how to be a proper human being. And if they don't know how to do that, we'll just sit and have a chat and, uh, I don't know, feel, feel less alone together, I guess. This week, I'm speaking to Scroobius Pip, and holy, what a, holy shit, <laughs> what a man. Wow, I'm still kind of blown away. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you listen to our chat in uh, in just a tiny bit. Um, first, I am going to tell you that I'm going on tour. I'm going on tour with my brand new show, Dead Baby Frog, which is a, a stand-up show about emotional abuse. <laughs> and uh, the show will be will have a completely gender-neutral toilets in all the venues. All the venues will have disabled access. And uh, they will be uh, anxiety-safe, meaning that you can message me uh, there's an email address. I think it's, oh yeah, no, I know it is. It's tour, T-O-U-R at sophiehagen.com. You can message me and let me know which show you're attending. And then if you have any kind of anxiety about the show, we'll try and figure it out. Maybe you need a specific seat or you need to know something about the content, whatever it is, just email me and uh, I'll have a look at it and uh, get back to you as quickly as possible and we'll figure it out. And uh, these are the places I will visit. The tour starts here this autumn and I will be in <laughs> Pizza Bra. Is that how you pronounce it? Weird. Winchester, Liverpool, Ferrum, Coventry, Swindon, Leeds, Glasgow, Aberdeen, Norwich, Norwich, Kendall, Milton Keynes, Bath, Aldershot, Maidenhead, Newcastle, Newport, Leicester, Manchester, Oxford, Bristol, Hull, Bromsgrove, Stockton, Cambridge, Colchester, New Milton, Reading, Whitehaven, Aberystwyth, Northampton, and Canterbury. Okay, then from then on, I am going to Denmark for a little Denmark tour. I will be in Copenhagen, Aarhus, Aalborg, Esbjerg, and Odense. And go to sophiehagen.com for all the tickets. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter so you get all the gossip and the secrets and all the just the hot, the hot gas. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry for saying hot gas. No one wants that. Uh, I want to remind you that you can buy my show, my last year's show. It's called Shimmer Shatter, and it's about not liking people, being a bit of an introvert. And you can buy that on sophiehagen.com forward slash shop for just five pounds. And fun fact, it's filmed at the Phoenix Artist Club in front of an audience made purely out of Mopart listeners. So it was uh, very, very lovely. So you can, you can do that if you can't attend any of the live shows. Uh, currently, I'm at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. You can still... At the moment of recording this, you can still get tickets, but it is selling out. It's selling out, so I mean, you you want to be quick. And I, I feel weird saying that, but it's, I guess it's true. So, but if you can't get a ticket here in Edinburgh, do come and see me on tour. Uh, there will also be London dates at some point. We just need to figure it out. So, yeah. Okay. Before I let you listen to the episode, I know there might be some new people who are just here for for Scroobius Pip, but hey. My podcast, this is how it works. Um, we do this thing uh, called Acts of Disobedience, where listeners send in uh, uh, anecdotes of stories of, of times when they've been dis- disobedient. Uh, and this week's listener is anonymous, and this is what they wrote. I was recently traveling on the tube and noticed an advert for a diet plan with the classic fake happy woman declaring how easy it was to lose weight. I was immediately pissed off thinking what bullshit it is that thousands of tired commuters have, sta- have to stare at this crappy advert every day, essentially saying that if you lose weight, you will be happy. So here comes my act of disobedience. I realized that I own a printer. I also own sticker paper. I decided that I would use my graphic design skills for good. So I have made stickers that read, your weight does not equal your worth, eat the cake. 
It's also in the shape of a crown and super colorful, because why not? Now, every time I see crappy diet ads on the tube, I stick my... I, put, I pop my sticker on it, hoping that someone will read it and feel a little bit better. I've also given some of the stickers to my friends, encouraging, encouraging them to little acts of disobedience too. I still get a bit nervous doing it, but it feels worth it. That is one of my favorite acts of disobedience I've ever had on this podcast. Whoa, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Um, can you send me a million of those stickers, please? Like that is, we should all have them. Maybe we can do something. Maybe we can figure something out where we can get these stickers made. And it's probably illegal, so let's you didn't you didn't hear it from me. <laughs> but holy shit. You can you can submit your own act of disobedience on madeofhumanpodcast.com where you can also buy a Mopat t-shirt. I'm here in Edinburgh. I've screamed in three people's faces because they wore the t-shirt. And the first time I legit screamed in his face and I had to say I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> And now I'm, I'm, I've learned how to scream internally when I see it, but it's so exciting. I can't believe, uh, it's just, yeah, it's just amazing. Uh, yeah, so thank you for, for already having done that. Get the t-shirt. It's not a thing that I make, like, almost any money off. It's just a nice symbolic thing. If you heard that in the background, that was fireworks. Still fireworks. Yeah, just create some ambience, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, listen to the podcast. This is um, a, a wonderful episode with the incredible Scroobius Pip. Oh, my name's Scroobius Pip, and, yeah, I've kind of done a, a load of different things. I started off in spoken word and hip-hop, um, and I did that for eight, nine years, and towards the end of that, I had a radio show on XFM, and then I started a podcast called Distraction Pieces, and... My plan was to take a year or so off from doing music, and that's turned into two or three years because I started doing acting and the podcast has gone far better than I could ever have hoped. It it kind of kills me a little bit that the podcast is probably the most successful thing I've done so far, and it's just sitting down and having chat. So I worked so hard on all my spoken word and music <laughs> and touring, and the bit the bit that's sitting and having, having chats has grown my audience, and we've had, I think I've just broken or about nine and a half million downloads of the podcast now and it's like i didn't just for transparency i didn't get anywhere near that many downloads in music i'm not i'm not a nine million guy in that respect (laughs) but yeah so now i do the podcasting and uh and acting and at some point i might return to music and gigging and stuff but who knows i was just listening to because i'm i don't listen to cool music it's fine <laughs> i'm in the musical theater excellent celine dion you know Amazing. meatloaf awesome all, all that sort of um oh what's your favorite musical theater <sighs> oh that's such a hot one it's a tough one right and we're in the middle of we're yeah. in london we're in the west we're under End. a theater yeah. yeah we're under a theater that's about to have evita yeah which i'm quite excited about I mean, Hamilton is, of course... I've never seen it. I've always heard tons about it. Because yeah. of when it blew up, it was this big crossover yeah. of history and hip-hop and all that kind oh, of Oh, it's, it's incredible. And what it does for just societies, it's oh, I remember I'd, I had a tweet when it, it blew up saying that they'd love a British version to be done with me, J- 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 Josie Long, Kate Tempest. Oh, and wow. it listed a couple of other people. And I, I chimed in just quickly and said, I love that, but with all respect, I'll... St- step out um, and give my place to someone who's not white because it, it seemed odd that there was this, yeah. this craving for this <laughs> yeah. this urban and hip-hop base and obviously I'm from hip-hop and so is Kate and all this kind of thing but everyone they'd picked for the UK version <laughs> was a white person it's like well, yeah. let's maybe not do that let's, yeah. let's, put, let's put Stormzy in it or Dizzy or something like that if we're going to a fantasy book and a, a musical then let's Let's go that route. Well, that's one of the things that they really nail. And I, I felt, I felt so ridiculous because I, I was like googling some of the real life people. Yeah. And I just hadn't because I saw the musical before I knew anything about American history. Yeah. I was like, oh, they're white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah, real yeah. life Hercules Mulligan is yeah. white. I was like, yeah. oh, of course they are. It's oh, that's why it. the musical is so good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I that think my great. my first one was probably Les Mis. Right. Because that kind of launched this... Because uh, anything that has to do a tiny bit with like the resistance and fighting mm-hmm. and standing up for what you believe in and all of those, and especially yeah. with dramatic music underneath, yeah. that was just what... And it's one of the... the I think 
I'm 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 not I'm not that into musicals. I'm not an expert. I, w- I went to see uh, a, a Wicked with a girlfriend once, and mm. I went feeling this is going to be awful. And I thought it's absolutely amazing. I yeah. went and downloaded <laughs> Defying Gravity immediately onto my phone. I was like, this is the best. But I think what a lot of people don't understand, or it's a weird thing where we are in society at the moment with with art in the. And I'm, again, I'm no expert on this. It's stuff I'm learning about at the moment. But we've got to a point where we really want art to be as accurate a depiction of reality as possible. And that isn't always what art's about. So yeah. a, a lot of, of, of films, it's we really like that gr- gritty r- realism. And I think yeah. a lot of people will be put off of musicals because it's like, oh, it's not... It's, everyone just starts singing. Stuff, but that's kind of the point of it. And yeah. the beauty of art originally wasn't to replicate reality. It was to do something that couldn't be done by reality painting was meant to be painting it wasn't meant to be an accurate depiction of photography (laughs) essentially you had photography for that and that's kind of the exciting thing of of what can be done with with musicals and even even more so with operas is that it can present something that doesn't exist in day-to-day life that's rather than the thing that should put you off of Mm. it that's the thing that should attract you to it it should be the fact that oh it's i can't really believe it everyone just starts singing it's like yeah, it's, it's art. It's not yeah. It's not a documentary. That's also, you can still beauty. watch Star Wars without yeah. being like, hold on. Exactly, exactly. See, I need to see more musicals. I, I took my good daughter recently to the Wind in the Willows one that's just opened with a yeah. Rufus Hound um, oh, in that. And yeah. I, love, I love Rufus. And that was good fun. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm 100% in it for the voices. That's yeah. my thing. Yeah. Just big, huge voices that just yeah. can hold it tone for minutes and minutes that's that's my because there are really good musicals where they it's not about the singing yeah and i'm like yeah can't do it i get that and again it was weird um i think um what was it called i watched the american show with all the people who sing in it it was a kids oh yeah glee Glee. yeah Yeah. that's it um i felt glee kind of ruined a lot of, or, 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 or made it hard for a lot of musical theatre because the girls and guys in Glee were next level. Like, they were absolutely amazing. Mm. And it, like, after I'd gone to see Wicked, I ended up down in, downloading the Glee version rather than the, the original yeah. performance for, uh, version because I was like, well, that's just amazing, isn't it? So, yeah, it's a weird <laughs> it's one. It's so. good. Wicked is quite good. But I'll <laughs> tell you this, I just realised today. You feel um, uh, quite a lot cooler walking down the street with your music in in your headphones that's than, good to know than wicked that's good that's good I to felt, know i, I felt pretty it. hardcore <laughs> that's good i like I was like, it wow i'm 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 completely into hip-hop now yeah i mean it's it's, it's such a weird one like you kind of have said at the start that you're not really you don't uh, listen to a lot of cool music or but again i've always found it weird that anyone ever has any expectation that other people should have heard of them if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, and I don't mean yeah. that in an over humble way but I, I, I can't remember if I was discussing this on a podcast or with a friend but even if you look at someone like um, Ed Sheeran who's huge he's got something like 50 million followers on Twitter that means he's got what 5.9 billion people who don't follow him on Twitter yeah. <laughs> So is it, so even at that yeah. peak of wow, this has got every. It's like no, there's still the majority of the world probably aren't going to know who that person is. So how would yeah. I have any expectation that, yeah. that any small fraction would yeah. yeah would necessarily know my stuff? It's it's odd. Do you get that a lot? Do you get a lot of people saying, "I'm so sorry, I don't know." It's 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 it's, it's a very odd one, and it's something I'm about to get used to because you either get people who because it, it's it's weird. With anything you get really into, there's always a kind of assumption that more people are aware of it. So mm. I either get people who think I'm a millionaire <laughs> and and have, uh, have made all this this money from everything, and I've I've done all right. I work hard, but it's either that illusion or um, that you know I'm I'm in between jobs kind of thing, <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm, I'm making ends meet, and it's it's such a hard one to. It took me ages to get comfortable with that, if you know what I mean, because yeah. I don't want people to have an exaggerated opinion of who, of what I'm doing or what I've achieved or anything. But equally, you do have that natural. Well, I mean, 
you should know that I have been in the... T- <laughs> you know, you, you suddenly feel you want to give some kind of... No, this is a real job. I am doing this for a living. I've been yeah. doing this for 10 years as my main... <laughs> I pay my mortgage from art for 10 years. So, yeah, it's an yeah. odd one. Because art's such a weird thing, isn't it? Because one day you can be on a bus and the next day you're in an Addison Lee being driven from somewhere to somewhere else. Yeah, and it's again, it's the inconsistencies incons- cons- of it. I had... Um, I Doc Doc Brown on my podcast recently, and again he kind of highlighted that it's it's a world. And in fact, when um, a Catherine Orion was on mm. your podcast, and she talked about it as well, how there will be this illusion that oh, you must be swamped at the moment. It's like, well, no, actually, I had six months where I was really busy, and some of that stuff will come out next year, and some of it will come out now. So. The period where you look really busy, you could be sitting around twiddling your thumbs. <laughs> and uh, uh, and Doc Brown was saying similar of how he was walking along the street when um, the David Brent movie was out. He was oh, in yeah. it and on all the posters and one of the main guys. And he still lives in this same area. And people were like, how are you doing? Like, you're back visiting? And he's like, no, I, I live in... <laughs> like, that was one gig. Yeah. As, as unrealistic as it was a huge film, but... He's going to have got paid some money, but that's it's one gig. It's not like it's a, a series that's going on for years and years. He's done four, four or five m- m- months at the most of filming that. So that's not going to mean he suddenly moved out of the area and done this and done that. <laughs> but because you are in the cinema or you are on this, there's going to be that illusion. Did you think you'd, like, like if you go back to, like, childhood? Yeah. Did you want to be here where you are now did you um, have any idea what's going to happen did you was that what you aimed for i think it's a weird one i i think i always and this is going to sound weirdly arrogant but i think i always felt i was going to do something creative i uh, it's 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 it's, re- it's really nice that i'm doing acting now because i think as a kid that was the thing i thought i'm going to be an actor i'm going to be a performer um why so, do you think that when you were a child? Um, Where did that I, come from? But again, I, again, I think that's the explanation. I think it's more just that I didn't want to work in an office. I mm. didn't want a, a proper job as such, as, yeah. as, as lazy as it's, it sounds. So I think rather than great confidence or expectation, it was more... Survival. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, or survival or avoidance. of uh, mm. like, I don't want to do that. So, oh, I'm going to be an entertainer. It's like, it's because I don't want to put on a suit and work in an office, which is a fine... A, 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 a vocation and choice but I think it wasn't one I thought of for me and it's an odd one but as it was hard to get any of that across as a kid because I wasn't a very confident kid I've, I've got a stutter as, as as you may pick up on over the interview um, so I was, n- I was never in any of the plays or performances I was never a very outgoing or confident child because I struggled to speak so it seems odd to think back and think that Despite that, in my head, I was like, "Oh no, I'm going to be like an entertainer." And that, it's like, I, I literally the first time I stepped on stage, I must have been nineteen or twenty, and that's the first time stepping on stage doing anything at all. So it's not like I was this this drama school type kid. I was, I did maths, I did art, I, I enjoyed painting. So, so I guess there's a level of artistic expression there, but. Yeah, I, I I wasn't that outgoing and 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 confident child, so it seems odd that in, that I never really contemplated working in an office or anything like that. That I should have been, someone should have got me on track and said, yeah. "That's probably more your level, mate." Let's let's <laughs> kind of let's aim there. Did you? Was it your choice or that? Like, did you? You not being in all the plays and stuff. Did you try out for it, or did no, you just never no, even? No, I would assume? have been petrified. I was again. I was a very shy and. And quite kid, really. I guess when I was, I, was, I was relaxed, I'd have a laugh, and I always feel I had a, a sense of humour, and that was, again, a great defence mechanism. If you're mm. the, I mean, starting at a new school, the first thing they do is call out the register. So, if you struggle to speak, <laughs> then that's a really early point that people can go, and quite understandably, as kids who are looking out for themselves, go. Oh, there's our target, whether that be to bully or to distract people from, from bullying me or to, to take the attention away from me. So from early on, it was kind of, I think humour would become a defence mechanism there to kind of go, oh, we can have a laugh. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 
I never wanted to be the centre of attention. And it's weird because it seems odd all the things I do for a living, but it's it's similar now. A lot of people, a lot of my friends, if I am, I'm I'm rarely on nights out. But if I meet new friends on nights out. I'm quite quiet and I'll keep to myself and I'll talk to my friends. I'm not someone who wants to get drunk and be the centre of attention. It's, I, I'm proud to be known for stuff I've worked hard at. I don't just need that attention, if you know what I mean. It's why, like when I've been offered presenting jobs in the past, I've said no because it's on subjects or topics that I'm not an expert on. So it's like I don't just want the spotlight. I'm, again... I'll make no shame in saying I'm I'm happy if someone is praising something I've worked hard to be good at, but I don't just want to hear my own voice or to have that attention and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. I'm exactly the same. Yeah, and I can so relate to that. Yeah, like, oh no, it's not about being the centre of attention. A lot of this is just about, for me at least, having the control of my own career and not having yeah. a boss, creating yeah. stuff, seeing what I'm, and getting that. Um, immediate reaction to something i've created yeah it's not the attention thing and again is uh, i think there can be a level of, sh- of 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 enforced shame or suggested shame on being proud of something you've worked hard on which again i don't think you should have at all i think if you're really excited to share something and it's really good then it's okay to be proud of that and to be excited about that and that's not the same as just wanting fame as such mm. and it's again it's it's something in our it's a weird way that our society has gone that people want just the spotlight or fame and don't know what for rather than I want to be really good at this and a byproduct of that I'll welcome any extra attention or whether that be praise or earnings or whatever else it's like that's great but it's it's for doing something good um I got asked ages ago or I, I had an inquiry to go on celebrity big brother so, so I didn't get a financial offer or anything. I just was asked if I would I would be interested, and I said no because again it was that thing of I felt I can't offer anything there. It's like everything I'm proud of is stuff I work harder at and is is a craft. Just watching me sit around, I don't think I'm a very interesting person <laughs> or exciting person. So it's like <laughs> I can't offer you good value there. It's just going to be me in a room going, <laughs> all right. <laughs> this is nice it's like and again it's not a snobbery at all i find big brother and stuff like that fascinating i think if it wasn't a tv show that affects your career one way or another i might have jumped at it because i find it a fascinating experiment because i feel you can watch it from the outside and go they're arguing over the stupidest things i would solve that in an instant yet i know from the brief times i've lived with a partner that <laughs> The fact that they're clearly not drying their feet before they get out of the shower mm-hmm. is suddenly the biggest deal in the world. And it's, like, it's that weird thing of because you're in that, that close yeah. proximity, <laughs> small things do become expanded. So as an experiment, I would have loved to have done it and found it fascinating to see if I can remain as calm as I feel I would or if I just get sucked in and be like, can't believe he touched my cheese. Why would anyone <laughs> touch my cheese? They've clearly moved my cheese. It's like... Yeah, it's an interesting one. This um, this empathy, you just um, ha- you just show this amazing empathy or understanding towards bullies. You said yeah. the kids protecting themselves. Was that was that something you had at the time, or have you understood that later? I think understand it it it, it, it later. I think yeah, I don't know. I think it, at school. There's a problem that people will constantly tell you these are the best years of your life. <laughs> um, it's similar to, uh, it sounds like an odd odd leap, but I don't go out on New Year's Eve. It's, oh, it, same. It's one of my favourite nights of the year, but I stay in and watch a film and I make oh, some yeah. food because that's what I enjoy to do. But the reason going out on New Year's Eve became a less enjoyable was there's so much pressure on it. It has oh, to be this God. amazing it's time. It's, yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, exactly. So again, I think that that, that myth that oh it's the best years of your life as a kid it's like that you're then feeling the guilt for not enjoying it or feeling a guilt for yeah. not making the most of it or feeling the guilt for wanting to hide away from things so i think there's a weird pressure like, there is it gonna get worse than this yeah yeah so is this, this is the, the best, best? Oh, shit. Jeez, this is this is the peak this is awful but um 
No, yeah, I guess there's it's it's all come in in later life. I think that understand. I think I've I've just got an empathy for kind of all humans um, in that I think I don't believe in the the wonder and beauty that we put on human nature. I think the goodness of humans is something that we work on, and you know that that's. That's that's nothing to be ashamed of. Everyone kind of puts on. It's it's in our human nature to be nice to each other. It's, I don't think it is. Have you ever seen kids? Like they can be horrible. <laughs> they can be really. The example I often give is if you've got two, like one year olds, and one takes the other one's toy, their reaction is often going to be to lash out and hit them, and that's a natural reaction. And we spend a lot of time training ourselves in in manners, in, in, in empathy, in societal um, interaction. But I, all, I do also think that good and bad is in all of us, or the, or the potential for good and bad is in all of us. It's why I struggle, as horrendous as they are, when horrific events happen. I don't know. I seem to be able to keep them as humans. And I think that's a good thing, because if we, if we build this illusion of every terrorist or every murderer or every abuser is a monster then we're going to be keeping an eye out for a monster rather than just a human which is is the reality all of these people are just humans who've been pushed to the edge or have crossed the line so and also we might be scared of what's within us or we might not be scared of what was in that what's the word i'm looking for not scared but aware or yeah we need to know that we should also be on the lookout within ourselves. And sometimes you you do have to, it's like, I always like walking past a homeless guy, for example. Yeah. Like if I, I sometimes I'll be like, Oh, Oh, well now it's too late to turn back. Yeah. But if you're constantly aware of, no, 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 you actually have to make an effort to be a good yeah. person. This yeah. isn't just like luck. It can't Completely. be that. It sh- there should be an awareness that it's something we work on and something that's fluid. You know, if you walk past a homeless person and think, oh, fuck, look away, you're not evil. That's happened. It's not a good thing, and you can do better in the future. But again, I think you're right of of having that awareness to identify these things in ourselves as well. I've had stuff in the past where I've not acted good. I feel I've handled a situation wrong. I've, I've, I've not been a good person. I've not been a good human. If at that point I'd gone, oh, in that case, I'm, I'm one of the bad guys. It's, like, it's not as defined as that. We've all got all of these things in us, and I think it's important to to be aware of them so that we can correct them rather than ignore them and let them grow or or so on and so forth. It's that whole thing of people being furious when you mention. It's like a classic example: being, people being so angry when you say that Hitler was good towards animals. Yeah, yeah. Because people can't. You can't. Like, no, he was. He was the ultimate bad guy yeah how can you also you, cause you don't want to imagine a, him cuddling a, a dog yeah, laughing yeah. with this dog and it's 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 interesting it's it's that it's the taboo of of, of so many just terms and things and not uh, and not being able to accept that there's a crossover in these things and i've i've talked i've done a three or four songs um about suicide and I've talked about it a lot on the podcast and I've had some experiences it with people close to me and as we're talking now uh the guy from Linkin Park has recently taken his own life and it's it's tragic it's it's horrible to see but what worries me at times in of social media is the 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 emotional reactions that close down the conversation, and I'm speaking slowly because I want to articulate this properly. Um, a friend of mine who's one of the most amazing and outgoing and, and emotional and intelligent beyond her years people I've known did a tweet saying, if you bring up the term selfishness in relation to suicide, then you're in the wrong and so on and so forth. And I understand that, but I also think removing any any language from discussion is a, ne- a negative thing mm. Su- suicide or selfishness i think is intrinsic in suicide on all sides of the argument because 
there's a level of selfishness in suicide and i think the problem becomes with the term selfishness being a demonized thing i think we all have selfishness in us um mm-hmm. the 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 food i choose to eat is going to have a level of selfishness because it's more convenient and it might be i might not be helping my, my local economy but it's more convenient to do this there's there's small levels and high levels um so to take you are you, are you are your own life has a level of selfishness but we need to be selfish sometimes if you're at a point where you can't go on any further selfishness is the right choice equally to want someone to stay alive and suffer in misery has selfishness that's that selfishness from the person who's not in that situation mm. to say i wish you'd just kept fighting longer i wish you'd seen this i wish you'd seen that so, well, that's selfish of you because they wished they weren't here anymore. Um, so yeah, I, th- I, th- I just think it's, it, it, it's an example of where these things, uh, the more, I think we do it more and more these days with social media is if you use any term or any phrase, you're this or you're that, rather than having these a fluidity to conversation and interaction. And yeah. and selfishness is one, as I said, it's like, a suicide is a subject that's, that, that is, is, it means that, or I, it, it's been a big part of my life, essentially, I guess. And yeah, it's weird. I will have selfishness that I don't want someone that I love to take their own life. Of course I don't. But equally, if they really can't take it anymore, everyone has a right. I, I believe everyone should have their own right because I'm not religious, so I don't believe in any sin of suicide. People should have a right if they live or they die, I think that's that, sh- that, that that should be one of our fundamental rights. You shouldn't be forced to do anything in that way. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. Because I get why... I, I, can see the, I can see it from both sides of the argument because selfishness is such a... Yeah, because we, we, we also want people to understand what leads people into that. Yeah. And the fact that some people think that it's people wanting to ruin other people's day yeah, or... Yeah people actually having the uh, the capacity in their brains to even consider the fact that there are people on a, on the train who needs to go somewhere. Yeah. That is so far out that, yeah, that people think you can be wanting to take your own life and still think, ha, 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 I'm going to do it in front I'm of gonna, this train. I'm going to ruin their day. Yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's, it's ludicrous. That is, that is so far out. But I also feel like what, I mean, and my experience with uh, with suicide is only having been not not incredibly close but when i was a teenager i was at least considering it yeah. at least considering it as yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. i'm trying to justify it uh and then i've had friends who've been very close and uh but i remember being a teenager and i remember every single consideration about maybe doing it or not was all because I wanted to spare other people from me. Yeah, yeah. It was a full-on feeling of, oh, they'll finally be free of yeah, this yeah. heavy burden that yeah. I am. But then there was the other side of going, oh, God, I don't want to... Because that's also going to be shitty for them if I yeah. do that. It's, it, I mean, it's a, it's a fascinatingly complex s- subject because, again, like, like whilst I'll state, I feel everyone should have the right themselves to choose if, if, if they live or die equally... You need to know that that person is in a, a, a somewhat rational state of mind, which they mm. they, they may be on, and, yeah. and or in, in all likelihood aren't. So, yeah, it's a weird a subject and a tough balance. But again, I think it's I, I I think we can be too quick to say, "How dare you? Oh yeah, how dare yeah. you think that?" It's like, well, no, this is my if equally, it's okay to be wrong. I've had stuff online recently where, and an example being, I released um, swimwear. I do a lot of merch, and every, oh, really ev- every year I do a new T-shirt design and stuff like that. And this year I was like, man, I'm going to do girls' swimsuits, guys' swimming shorts, leggings, and all these things. And I released them, and it went down really well, and it was an exciting thing. And I got a lot of love because the photo shoot we did had people of all shapes and sizes and it wasn't just this kind of skinny instagram models it was there was some skinny instagram models because they're good too it it shouldn't (laughs) it shouldn't suddenly be oh we're only going on the big side because skinny is wrong or skinny and you know it should be a mixture of everything but someone i messaged me and said 
on your website, you've got the swimsuits as size 8, size 10, size 12 and 14 or whatever it is. I'm not an expert on female sizes. <laughs> and you've also got small, medium, large, extra large and so on and so forth. And they said, you don't need that. Right, if you've got the number, if you've got the the numeric size there mm. what's the need to add a descriptive size and I thought about it and again I think people can be oversensitive at points but, but on that one I looked at it and went you're right you're spot on if it's if you're a girl you know what a size 10 is or you know what a size 12 is or whatever else you don't need to then be told oh and also you're large Oh, Do you know what I mean? It was, I it was didn't un- get it until you said that. Yeah. I was like, I can't see. It was, okay. it was an unnecessary extra description. If you've already got the size there, you don't need to be told, oh, a size oh, 12 is large. Yeah, or a size get, yeah. 14 is extra large. It's like, no, you, it's the size. It's the yeah. size that it is. And again, it's something that... Doesn't that I, break your I took heart, a moment though? on it. I oh, know oh, oh, I took a moment on it and thought, no, you're right. There's, there's no need for that. I can just have size 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. And... No one needs to add any any stipulation or description. Yeah, but doesn't it that. break your heart that that this person had such negative connotations with the words large? Yeah, that sure. it hurt them to see the word because large think, isn't. I, no, but I think it's interesting because large isn't. Um, large is uh, of a varying term. A large, yeah. a large ant is <laughs> a lot smaller than a small cat. If, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's not a term that actually translates. So it's it's a completely it's completely it, it, it it's an opinion rather than yeah. a, a classification. Yeah. That's as true. Such. So it's, it's not objective. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's it's, it's completely s- subjective to other things and what you're comparing it to. So yeah, I kind of felt. I understood it there. Um, yeah. Again, I, I I completely agree that it's a it's an odd one, or it's a shame that there are those kind of feelings of discomfort. But again, I get it. I get it. If 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 it's weird that we have these size listings that, and there's comedians have done loads about this, but size listings that are descriptive, and we only came up with three descriptions, and then we just kept adding extra to it. It's like, well, how lazy yeah. is that? It's like extra, extra, extra large. It's like, let's just put yeah. new ones. Let's, let's bring new ones. Let's go large and then massive and then huge or, or whatever yeah. else it will be. And yeah. But there was a, I think there was a shop. Was it a bra shop or maybe it just was a clothes shop? I don't even know if it was here or in Denmark where instead of clothing sizes, they yeah. had like, I can't, I'm cringing just saying it. They had like beautiful. <laughs> like voluptuous, gorgeous, wonderful. Uh, I, I mean, they were yeah. so close from having a top in a size good personality. Yeah, it yeah. was so cringeworthy. Yeah, yeah. Instead it of too far, doesn't it? it? But that goes. But it also, it's just not the. It just doesn't address the problem because it was like it was a Jennifer Lawrence probably who came out and said, "Oh, you shouldn't be allowed to call people fat," as if that's the problem. Yeah. Where you're like, no, 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 that's the problem is that people think fat is a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The problem is that uh, that people are ashamed of being a size 30 or a 28. That's not like the the problem is that someone is making those people ashamed of that. Yeah, the the problem is, is, yeah, the problem is the is is the view towards that size or shape, not the name of that size or shape or the name of this or that. It's the fact that that becomes an insult. Yeah, and it's, it's similar with all. With 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 race arguments and situations like that, the reason any of these terms are negative is because they've become insults. If we just had descriptions, then it's fine. But it's when they're everything has connotations. Everything has connotations. It's a weird one. It is. I'm quite. I'm still quite curious about um, like your attitude towards these bullies because that's it's just an opinion on a like a point of view I've rarely heard before. Yeah. This. that they were just keeping out for themselves and they I were just, just think, trying to... I just think, um, again, I have people say that I talk about death a lot in my music and on the podcast. And I think it's, I mean, uh, n- number one, it's an, another subject I think is an unnecessary taboo and the more we discuss it, the more we're comfortable mm-hmm. with it, the better it is for society. But equally, 
I think life's far scarier than death. <laughs> like again, not be, not being religious, death doesn't bother me too much because it's like, well, that's that, isn't it? It's kind of done. That's not. Yeah, I'll be, yeah. yeah it's done. Okay, I don't have to worry <laughs> about that. That's but but life is at times terrifying. Um, so yeah, I think there's that understanding that uh, that's I'm not some sp- special, a, a, a unique creature that happens to find life tough sometimes i think most people have that and particularly in school and and years like that it's if you're kidding yourself that you're the are the only one struggling then you're probably not you know it's 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 that fact that if someone is lashing out and again i'm sure i've had points where at school i can't think of any specific examples but i'm sure there have been points at school where someone is being bullied and i've not stepped in because number one i'm either scared or intimidated but number mm. two it's like well it's, it's not me mm. it's like if i step in it might transfer over to me then mm. so at the moment it's not me so that's kind of cool and whilst that isn't the act of bullying it's it's the same mm. it's the same acting not stopping something is a similar choice to to engaging in it at these small levels obviously um so yeah i think there was or there is that that, that, that empathy there looking back i'm sure as a kid i was like hate these people they're they're evil they're tough but um yeah well that leaves me on because there's one question i always ask and i think this is perfect for this time so imagine that we are now in a world where there's like uh it's like a it's a war we've been taken over by an evil dictator Mm -hmm. he has an army he's killing a bunch of people it's all very awful he's this very right-wing dictator Mm So you kind of have three choices. You yep. can't flee the country. That's that they have people on all the borders can't flee. You can, in theory, either join them, become mm-hmm. one of the bad guys. That's very safe, very, you know, it's a, the easy choice, of course. Then you could stay neutral, just keep to yourself, keep your head down. Or you can, of course, join the resistance. Mm-hmm. Which one would you probably choose? Um... It's 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 the um, it's the question of 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 marrying who you are to who you think you are as such, isn't it? I like to think I'd want to join the resistance because um, I think a lot of battles aren't about if you can win them or not; they're about the fact you should be fighting them. So, you know. I, I like the idea that I'd go look. This dictator's pretty much invincible, but it's a pretty great way to die. That dying for that reason, for for this cause, um, yeah, yeah. I'd 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 like to think I'd go for that, but yeah, I I I don't know. It's I know I've had situations on nights out where I've walked away from an incident. I've. I, I live in a, sm- a small t- t- a town in Essex. I've lived there my whole life. Um, my area in Essex, Thurrock, has always been a stronghold for the right-wing politics. So Nigel Farage has come down there a lot and the BNP and UKIP and all that has always been quite strong in that area. Um, there's a lot of good people as well, but that's it's, it's small-town mentality. Um, and I, I, I've... So because of that, I've got a big beard. I look a bit different. I've one of the reasons I've stayed there is I think it's important. I think if I lived in London, I'm an artist. I could be around other artists. I could get under the illusion that all the problems are sorted and everyone's a liberal when they're not. So I quite like the fact that I have to get the the train home at the end of the night and there will be people drunk and being offensive to me. There could be incidents and so on and so forth. But, but, but anyway, um, I was in a pub... Um, near Christmas a few years back and I was in the toilet and a local lad who's the brother of a local drug dealer so you know he can he can get away with a bit because he's a bit he's a bit connected he's standing next to me at the 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 toilet and I've had a few drinks um I'm allowed to swear right oh yeah um and I've had a few drinks and he just turns around he's he's right next to me and and your urinals are close so he's, he's right next to me he just goes um he looks around. And he's like, "What's that? What's that beard all about?" And I'm like, "All right." And I'm like, yeah. "Again, a bit drunk." I'm like, "I'll 
killing with kindness. Like I worked in retail for years. I'm like, keeps me warm in it, keeps me warm. And he's like, well, I'll be honest. And, this, and, and by this time, we've, 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 we've finished urinating and we're facing each other. So we're really close. He's like, I'll be honest. I think it makes you look like a cunt. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, but still, I mean, it's winter, isn't it? It's keeping me, it's keeping, keeping me nice and warm. And he says, well, I don't think your type sh- sh- should be dr- drinking round here. And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? He's like, well, this is a British pub, blah, blah, blah. So he's assumed I'm a Muslim. Now, my stubbornness in a situation like this, I now can't tell him I'm not a Muslim because that would be as if to say, oh, it's all right, mate. I'm not one of them. If I was, you're willing, you're right, but I'm not. So it's cool. So I just kind of continued. I was like, all right, well, you know, it's all friendly though, isn't it? Everyone's everyone's nice and all this. And it, again, it kind of, it defused and he walks off. And I was a little bit f- fired up and I'm like, and I'm not a tough guy in any way, but I'm not small. You know, you know I'm a big lad and I was, I was bigger than him. So just other than his obvious connections, I was like, I'd fancy my chances. And on the way out, it was at the door, and I'm walking out, and he just reached past and grabbed my beard and, t- and tickled it and went, see you later, mate. And I took his hand and moved it away and left. All of that walk home, I wanted to go back and have a fight. Now, I can look back now, r- rationally, and say I made the right choice. And I can say I made that choice because starting a fight isn't going to solve anything. It's going to ignite things. But I don't know if that's the truth. I don't know if I walked away because I was scared. And that may be the case. You know, again, I can rationalise. In my memory, I made a logical choice. Don't do anything. Did I? Or did did I go, ah, and run off? So, do you know what I mean? It's it's why it's a, a weird, long story. I'm only just remembering how I got to it. But it's a weird way of thinking. I like to think... In that situation, I'd fight the resistance. I'd stand up. I'd do the right thing. But you never know until you're in that situation. You might just go, I'm just going to be neutral um, because I don't want to cause any problems. And yeah, so it's a tough one. Yeah. Well, within the resistance, we're very, uh, there'd be a very good infrastructure. And so there would be roles for you to to take that wouldn't necessarily be out in the street fighting. Yeah. You know, that we'd need someone to do the admin. And I mean, I, 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 I've got, I did A-level maths. I mean, I failed it, but um, I did <laughs> I did maths A-level, so I'd be good on the admin side. I can work on this. And yeah, I can. Yeah. I, I, I think I could help the resistance. I think you could. I feel it's like a weird you one be. because I've always felt, again, it, it makes it sound like I'm, I'm suicidal, which I'm not. The, the only, the g- g- genuine contemplations I've had of suicide have always been, if something really, really, really good happened, I'd consider ending it then to go out on a high. Like if this is this is the peak, cool. Let's 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 draw a line under it. Again, I think it's that's more that 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 speaks more of my relationship with death than my relationship with life. Um, that I like the idea of going, man. This is I'm really happy with this life to this point. It's cracking. Let's call it a day. Let's let's thank you and good night. Um, so yeah, but, but because of that, whenever the question of like a mate of mine, Chris, is obsessed with zombies and stuff like that, and he'll often bring up the zombie apocalypse question, which is a, a similar a situation here. And my answer would generally be, I'd probably just want to be one of the first ones to die. I'd probably just let's call it a day. I'm out, um, and that's always been my thought process. I've always thought I don't particularly. I want to. Li- I've never understood the obsession with living forever and ever, and all this kind of thing. A weird ex- obsession as humans to extend our lives on and on and on. It's like, well, the end end of your life from the outside don't look like the best bit. So it's 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 not something I'm going to be that 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 mad to miss out on. But I watched a documentary recently about Horikushi. I think his name is is the artist who did the wave, the famous a wave painting, which is is one of the most famous in in in, mm. in Asian art. Um, he was he was also known as as old man crazy to paint. And one of the things they spoke about there was, and it, I've only watched it recently. It's kind of 
it's got me insanely motivated and excited about all that is ahead because it said it's a Chinese kind of belief that art is an old man's form or an old man's world because the theory being the longer you're alive the better you're getting at it the more you're experiencing at it Um, unlike sport or other things like they they were saying that art you get better and better and and this guy had this this belief despite being one of the most successful um, artists of his time and redefining a lot of of, of genres essentially inventing manga and kind of a lot of people feel influencing um, animation a lot because of a lot of his drawings and paintings had a fluidity to them that kind of lent themselves to that um, he believed that everything before I think the age of 60 was was rubbish like at the age of 60 he was like I've just realised everything I've done my whole life is amateurish and I'm just getting it and he believed that at 100, he would be a true artist. And at 110, every brush mark on paper would be... He would understand it and it would be complete perfection and art. And he died at 90. And that's one of the most exciting and inspirational things I've ever heard, that someone's gone... This journey I'm on, I might never even complete it, but I'm always improving upon myself and always m- making those steps forward and just because of where I'm I've been moving into acting recently and things like that I'm I'm an absolute amateur but hearing someone like that made me go oh man like acting again it's something that you can be doing until great old ages and getting better and better and better and the excitement of going I'm I'm, I'm 35 at the moment I've been doing acting for two and a half years I could be doing this for another 30 or 40 years is i don't know it's the first time i've been excited and looking forward it sounds odd but in general i'm like i really like my life i'm happy but it's been a long 35 years the the thought of another 35 previously has kind of made me go oh god that's 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 a knackering thought but yeah it's kind of exciting of that man imagine the improvements that you can make over that time if you're improving even a small amount every year and 30 more years Man, you could, I could be half decent. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you had, like, the first time or the reason you started having these thoughts about life and death, which are quite unusual? Yeah, um, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I've thought about it a lot, and I've, I've, I've traced it back a little bit to my nan, who I think had a really good outlook on life and death, because my, my mum used to say it'd annoy her a little bit that my nan. Uh, before she, she went on holiday, because until an, until a very old age, she was very active and would still go on holidays and do all this and that. And before she'd go on holiday, even even when she, as she was quite young, she'd ring my mum and say, "Right, if I die, here's where the will is. Here's where this is, and here's where that is." And my mum would be like, "I mean, that's so morbid. Like you're going on holiday. Let's not." But again, I think it's there shouldn't be anything morbid about death. It, it's literally the one thing that is is guaranteed for all of us. Why should that be a negative and scary thing? It's like, it's like as I said this on one of my live podcasts, and it's, it kind of got a bit depressing, but literally everyone you've ever met is going to die. Literally everyone you've ever loved is going to die. Everyone you haven't met yet but are going to meet and love they're gonna die. Like it, we're all gonna die, and that it shouldn't be this dark. Like that on paper sounds like the most depressing and miserable statement ever. But we're both smiling here, and it's it, sh- <laughs> it should be that. It should be a reality of like that's that's okay. That's kind of acceptable. I think I had um, I had Carla of a Valentine on on my podcast, and she's a mortician and pathologist at Bart's a pathology. And we had one of the best chats because she was like she 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 feels our our fear in discussing death. Number one makes it really hard for us to handle it when it comes because we avoid talking about it until it happens, and then it's suddenly oh, how do we deal with this? And it's obviously it's never going to be easy, but I think we it would be a lot easier if we had a a, a greater relationship with it. But equally, she felt it's worrying the mistakes that we make and the. 
the ways that people can end up getting a, a ripped off in funeral expenses and stuff like that because at that point we're just so I don't want to think about it let's push it away because we've made this taboo of this scary horrible thing it's like we're all it's literally going to happen to everyone we're all going to have to deal with that so we should be more it shouldn't be something they're like oh, I don't want to think about that it's like you've, you've got to it's going to happen I read in an interview that you almost drowned when you were yes. four do you yeah, think that yeah. could have something to do with it I mean, it's interesting because I didn't, I wasn't really aware of it until I was 12 or 13, I think. I had hypnosis at 12 or 13 to try and help my stutter. And they kind of um, t took me back to when I was in France as a child and a, a wave came up to the shore and swept me out and I almost drowned. And I hadn't, I honestly hadn't, hadn't realised it was a big deal. And it turns out, it's their belief that that's how I got my stutter because they generally come from some kind of traumatic event. Um, but at the time, my parents did great of playing it down. Uh, my main memory was my dad saying, because my dad came out and saved me and we got back to the shore and I remember him just saying, oh, I've ruined my new trainers. Mm. And just kind of, it, in my mind, it was this tiny th thing that happened. It wasn't until I had this hypnosis that it was like, oh, right, no, that was a huge huge moment in my life i guess so yeah i i think yeah i mean again that's kind of comes into some, some logic around 12 and 13 they're very formative years of when you're starting your minds your brains at its most kind of active and taking things in so maybe having that realization about death at that age rather than at four when i probably wouldn't have cared as long as I had some ice cream afterwards. Um, so maybe that's it. It's maybe that that happened at four, but I didn't really get to address it until twelve, thirteen, and therefore. Well, you know, you know, like when when a child falls and then it looks through its parents to see how to react. Yeah, yeah. If you got so it in kidding. your head, like you, if you in your head were like, I almost died, and yeah. all my dad saying is, "You ruined my trainers." Yeah. Maybe that that could be the first time yeah. you someone treats death as like a. Eh. It's all right. my, It's no big deal. Yes, yeah, one, one of my best one of my best my best friends. She uh, when she was fourteen or fifteen, she slept with a guy without wearing a condom, and she went to the uh, to the doctors, and the nurse said, "Oh, you probably have AIDS." And oh, we'll do the test, but you you probably have AIDS, which is a horrible, horrible yeah, thing. Horrendous. But then for weeks, my friend w walked around thinking, like being completely convinced that she was going to die of AIDS. Wow. And she's and then she found out she didn't have it yeah. because she's just a bad nurse. But that that she said that changed everything. The way she looked at life and death, and she yeah. her whole life kind of changed because she'd she'd gotten she'd become okay with dying yeah, because she thought yeah. that was what what was going to happen. Yeah. So I do think something like that can, some kind of meeting with death, yeah. be it your own or maybe other people's, can really alter that thing. So, yeah. And that, this is all, I don't know, do you have the term pocket psychology? No. That's a Danish thing where right, you're, right, you're yeah. pretending to be a psychologist yeah, but yeah, you have yeah, no yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, maybe, I, th I, did, I think that every kind of meeting with death in some capacity might actually change something in the way yeah. you... I mean, it, 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 it makes some sense. And again, it's been confronted by something that's inevitable that we try and pretend isn't inevitable um it, it, it's why a lot of the, the, the subjects i've written about over the years are seen as being on on darker s subjects but i find a lot of those subjects more fascinating to explore and write about because in the bad times in our lives we're doing all we can to get back to the good times and in the good times we're wandering around and we're looking at the trees and it's all wonderful but we don't really explore the bad times. Like we're so focused on getting away from the bad times that we don't explore them much. So it's why I think writing about them I've found a, 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 a lot more fascinating. Because mm. it's like, right, what was it there that that really hurt or that really damaged? I'm f I'm fine now. I'm all right now, so I can write about it. But to put yourself, to choose to put yourself b back into those those situations is is far more fascinating to me. I think. That leads me on to the last question, which I always ask. So, uh, you're in the delivery room where you've just been born. Yes. And you get to hold yourself as a teeny tiny baby. Yes. And you get to say something. Because you're scared, you're, scared, you're crying, you're screaming because there's lights and sounds. And you, as a 35-year-old, now I know that 
life's terrifying and there's mm. going to be a lot of light, a lot of sounds. But you get to say, you can't change the future, you can't change anything, but you get to say something to little tiny baby you that might calm you down a bit of, well, you right. don't even have to want to do that, but yeah. you can say something to little baby you, what would you say? Um, I mean, I, I, I think I'd have a tendency not to go bleak, but to be quite straightforward. I think the earlier you realise that we don't live in a fairy tale and everything isn't going to be wonderful all the time, the better. So I think I'd say, look, it's pretty rough out here. <laughs> it's all right. It's worth it, but it's pretty rough. So I'd kind of, I'd kind of prepare that. I think we have a weird. Uh, obsession with uh, with happiness which is good because happiness is really good but we can't have it all the time and there's a whole load of other emotions that are fruitful and beneficial to experience either from what you learn from them or just from what you're, you're getting at the time it might not be happiness it might be uh, a period of your life where you're, you're switching off or, or, or burying yourself in study or something like that so I think yeah, I'd kind of say, look, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. It's not going to be easy. I mean, you, you, you're going to get bizarrely hairy, um, but it, <laughs> it's, it's it's all okay. You know, you'll get through. So yeah, but prepare yourself. That's nice. Thank yeah. you for doing this. Thank you very much. It's been lovely. Um, I mean, we've not even mentioned. Oh yeah, oh, I'm about to do. Oh, we're now going to go into. To, you're going to be a yeah, guest on my podcast. Gonna just go so we're going to go straight on, straight, straight, straight back to back. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we can have a moment and a toilet break and we stuff. We might need if we to. Want, yeah. <laughs> where, where can? Uh, is there anything you want to plug apart from your own podcast? Of course. No, not really. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I've got I've my podcast is distraction pieces. I, I just, I just love podcasts. I think it's wicked yes. that there's 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 so many and. Um, I like that on your podcast, for example, it's the freedom to discuss issues, m- m- mental health, anything else. It's what I like about podcasts in general is they're not the radio where you have to kind of keep to a certain subject oh, or God, keep to yeah. a certain a, a level. You can go anywhere. Um, I've got a, a load of podcasts on. I've, I've got a podcast n- n- network, so I'll rather than plug myself I'll, I'll plug these guys so there's a podcast called Say Why to Drugs with Dr Susie Gage and I'm on that that most time so it's kind of a plugging myself but it's a podcast I'm really proud of because Dr Susie Gage is a doctor and she specialises in recreational dr- drugs and we decided to start this series where she picks a different drug each week and she gives an unbiased breakdown of it of what's what might appeal about it what might be dangerous about it what's what's awesome about it and what's t- terrible about it and i'm kind of there as a as a, as a sounding board because i've not the, the, the personally done any drugs in t- t- in 10 years or something now but in my youth i did a fair few so it's kind of i'm happy to be here's my experiences of it now tell me what that meant and yeah it's it's become a really good tool for yeah for people to just get educated on on different drugs rather than the way we do it in the media of drugs are bad and again it's it's that it's similar to what we were were touched upon earlier about um a blanket and stuff if 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 someone tells you um yeah if if you have sex once you're going to have aids and Mm. it's it's similar if someone tells you all drugs are horrible and then you smoke weed and it's not horrible then you might go heroin's right, next yeah. To, yeah and it, and again it's is i mean we've we've done an episode of heroin because it's on on heroin because not on heroin <laughs> about heroin because it's another one that again there's loads of there's tons of negatives with heroin but there's also tons of stuff that's exaggerated about heroin and demonized so again that i think the more open and honest we are with all these discussions the better so yeah i'll plug i'll plug say white of drugs and leave it at that Sounds good. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, doing this podcast is my favorite thing. And, and when I meet some of you, uh, some of the listeners in, in the real world, I, I, so one of the things that you tell me quite often is that you can tell how much I love doing it. And that, that always makes me so, so happy. And it, 
it does take hours. It takes a lot of time and a lot of, you know, I'm not complaining because I, I do genuinely love doing it, but it does really, really help that there are people out there who support the podcast. And uh, and you you are, I mean, you, you share it on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and every time I feel so supported and it feels so, so good. Uh, you can always message your friend, tell them to listen, uh, leave a five-star review on iTunes. I know it sounds like a blast thing to do, but it really, really helps. There's something about the whatever as some it does something if you leave a five star review so it, it does genuinely matter to some extent so you can do that but you can also go to patreon.com forward slash mopad and become a patron now that is where you decide to give a certain amount per episode and it just happens automatically so it's a really really nice thing and you can do that and there are some people out there who do that you can also donate um like a one-off and it's all on madeofhumanpodcast.com or mopad.com so you can give like a one-off donation but patreon is my favorite thing and i appreciate it so so much um you can go to patreon.com forward slash mopad and donate however much you feel like giving uh it is a free product but give what you feel like it's worth uh, because if you give more than $5 per episode, you get a special thank you at the end of the podcast, which is now. Uh, an extra bonus is that you get to hear me absolutely slaughter your name. So thank you so much to my pa- patrons. Thank you so much to my patrons. I want to thank Kathy Draxelbauer, Robert Knowles, Eve Winkrith, Victoria Greer, Marnie Biles, Phil Vabulas, Olivia Hove, Zoe Cumberland, Maria Mrs. Lindsgaard. Josie, Purdy Patterson, Steph Ream, Marie Fraser, Ruth Harvey, Jane Young, Dan Smith, Gillian Brady, Bethany Dahlstrom, Aiden Forrester, Andrea Papillon, Darshan Bangle, Katie Hatfield, Robin Kappa, James, oh god, there's so many new names, James Frew, Karen Threthaway, uh, Russell Hughes, Ida Sigur Larsen, Lucy Inger Ellingsen, Imogen Viersen, Maddie Searle, Caleb Melkukiwa, Nestic Guest Sack, <laughs> Jessica Stuhlfire, Meg, Emma Chan, Sylvia Novak, Georgia Brown, Kathy Beerich, Emma Walton, Andy Walker, Geraldo Nascimento, Claire, Danny Beckett, Fiona Richardson, Claire Lamb, Grace Suta, who I'll never forget, Kat Pillar, Harold Van Dyke, uh, Harold Van Dyke Eleanor, Sarah Ferreira, Ike Seed, Cherie Dunphy, and Daniel Reifersheed. Whoa, there were new people there. New names I hadn't said before. <laughs> so thank you to all of you. And thank you so much to Bailey Leonard for my jingle and to Linda Brinkhouse for my logo and to the Phoenix Artist Club and Peter Dunbar for letting me record episodes there. Thank you so much. Speak to you next week. Mm-hmm.